y'all. I'm Sal. And I'm Al. And we are the hosts of Two Broke Chicks, the show all about sharing life lessons for the gals from the gals. We know firsthand that navigating your 20s is bloody hard. And unfortunately, there are some life lessons you got to learn along the way and they're not always easy. But with this show, we're hoping that we can make it that little bit easier. And in today's episode, Al and I are catching up with the Marsha Maiden founder herself, author and host of Seize the Yay book and podcast, Sarah Davidson, about turning your passion into a fully fledged career. But before we get into it, we love to talk about our life lessons of the week. So what have you got for me, Al? What did you learn? I was not born with like a green thumb, but I've always aspired to be like a plant mum. But every plant I've ever had, I'm just like, we just didn't get along. It had a chip on its shoulder and I was just like, <laughs> not under my roof. But um, anyway, I downloaded this app called Planta, P-L-A-N-T-A, and what you do is you load like all your plants into this app and it gives you like a custom routine on just how to take care of them specifically for that type of plant. Like you can just take a photo of the plant and it's like, this is what it is. Like it's an elephant leaf plant or whatever you've got, like a fiddle leaf and it'll tell you what it is and then tell you like where to put it in your apartment or you say where it is. Like if I'm like, it's in the corner of my bedroom and gets sun for maybe like four hours of the day, they're like, okay, that's a good spot leave it there and then we'll create a custom watering routine for it. Then you get notifications of when it's time to like water which plant so that you're not overwatering or underwatering. I sound like the biggest nerd. I, I just love that out. so much. But it's actually free. So it's free for like a certain level of the subscription and then you can pay for a premium level that gives you a little bit more custom things. But I don't pay for it and it really just – is an absolute dream. It'll tell you if like one of it starts looking like one of your plants start looking a little funky and then what to do. So if you suck at taking care of your plants, like I did, if your fiddle leaf just refuses to behave, then planter. Go on. I sounded so Australian when I said that. Planter. Planter. I love that so much because I'm always like, do you need more sun? Do you need more water? I don't know. And then I asked my plants that after talking to myself in the mirror. <laughs> I'm going to like send in a photo of myself and be like, help me. (laughs) (laughs) What do I I do? And it's like therapy. (laughs) Literally. And I'm like, oh, yes, son. (laughs) No subscription could cover that, babe. Yeah, I think I'm a little too far gone. Uh, On that note, my life lesson for the week, this one is actually inspired by a quote from Sarah's book, which I was reading in the lead up to this interview because you know research yeah she's a journalist people (laughs) exactly I do the work but it's packed full of gems of wisdom and lots of good quotes but there was one that particularly uh, stuck with me which is you are not required to set yourself on fire to keep others warm you know that kind of stopped me in my tracks a little bit because I think that so many of us will put everybody who we love or even just you know people who we work with or just like anyone ahead of us, you know, and take care of other people's needs. Rather than looking after yourself first, yeah. Yeah. So it was just a nice little reminder, I think, and that like quote was just nice and succinct. I was like, I can remember that one. Next time I'm feeling a little bit burnt out. Like I think it's good to put other people before you, of course, but it needs to be a balance. Even as well those kind of moments where 
someone might need you, like someone might be having a bad day and they need cheering up, but you might necessarily not be in that right headspace either to kind of be doing that. Like I like that. That fits into like so many different relationships that you can have in your life. Exactly. And you can help people without setting yourself alight. Yeah, set other people on fire. (laughs) Grab their ex-boyfriend, bring them in, grab the gasoline, done. Let's get torching, baby. But on that note, let's get uh, Sarah on, on the horn. Bring her in. So if you're not already familiar with Sarah, she actually started her career as a lawyer, but after a few years realized that corporate life kind of sucks. And after a happy accident of ordering too much matcha online, she kicked off like a little side hustle and an organic green tea company, Marcha Maiden, with her partner Nick in 2014. And they kind of just did it as a way to get rid of this green tea that they had in their house and they're like what do we do with this stuff but much to their surprise it actually went gangbusters and turned into a full-time gig pretty quickly so since then you know Marcha Maiden is a huge success but Sarah has also inspired so many with her story that she launched a website Spoonful of Sarah uh, to share you know all of her wisdom and her experience and has inspired so many people with her book and now podcast as well Seize the Yay. So it's safe to say that Sarah knows what it's like to take the leap from I would say like a pretty traditional career and a pretty stable career and well-respected you know being a lawyer it's a lot of hard work to get there to chase your passion but also how to fight off imposter syndrome to get there because I think that can be the hardest part. I'm so excited to talk to her after reading her book. She's a vibe. Hey, Sarah, thank you so much for joining Al and I on Two Broke Chicks. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. It's such a pleasure. (laughs) The pleasure's all ours. We're so excited. We're both big fans of your book and podcast. And I think just the topic of like side hustles and, you know, chasing your passions rather than, you know, maybe just chasing a career is something that so many people have been talking about. So my first question is, how do you know when it's time to turn your side hustle into a full-time gig? It's probably a little bit different to how I would have answered when I first left my career and did jump full-time into the side hustle. Back then I was very like, everyone leave your job. Like, But I think there's a really important question in there of do you actually want to make your side hustle a full-time gig? And it's okay if the answer is no. It's okay if the goal is never to go full-time and it's always to have it on the side, which I probably didn't allow myself to even consider back you know, back in the very beginning. But now the way that my philosophy has developed, it's it's gone from I started as a corporate and I was very success, like conventional success, financial metrics, a glorified busy. I got on the productivity hamster wheel. Moving into business allowed me to get back in touch with my joy, which is how Seize the Yay as a philosophy and concept came about and and move more towards fulfillment and identifying what lights you up. And in the middle somewhere in between all of that is the fact that I thought leaving corporate to start a business was liberation. That was freedom. That was seizing your yay. But I realized for some people it isn't. The formula is different for everyone and bigger is not always better. So for some people, the balance is perfect for them when they have their full-time job and they have a certain amount of stability and guaranteed income, but they can have their joy and creativity on the side. So it's okay 
if you never want to make that jump, that's absolutely okay. As long as the reason isn't only because of self-doubt or only because of hesitation because you don't believe that you could do it or only because of comparison. If you have decided that that is what you want to do, I think you don't have to jump straight away. There's a way to make the risk. I have a greater appetite for risk. I used to be the most risk averse person and now I'm like, woo, (laughs) YOLO. (laughs) But I would say you can reduce the risk as much as possible. You can make that leap smaller and smaller by doing both for as long as you can because when you do have a startup it needs capital sometimes you need savings sometimes you do need a stable wage for that first couple of months for me it was six to seven months for some people it's a year for some people it's less make sure that you've evaluated what works in your life and what your basic needs and commitments and debt and obligations are and uh, close that gap as much as you can but I think there does come a point where you realize neither your job nor your side hustle is getting done well And neither of them are going to be able to be improved on or done any better until you choose one or the other. I think that's the point where it becomes impossible to be a a good employee or impossible to be a good business person. That's when you realize you're actually sacrificing both in order to keep both. I mean, it's really hard to know when that is, but I think you'll start to realize that, you know, you'll start to feel pretty much like you're doing a crap job at everything. (laughs) That will start to feel really uncomfortable. And then it will, you'll be forced to make a choice, like which is the one that I need to focus all my attention on because they'll both stop thriving unless you do. Wow. That's so insightful. So when you're juggling kind of both of those things at the same time, you've got your full-time job and you do have your side hustle, it can be a bit difficult to stay on top of everything and sometimes you can probably feel a bit tired and I know I'm a big sucker for procrastinating but what are some ways that you can avoid procrastinating projects or jobs that you want but also need to do in order to get your side hustle rocking and rolling? I mean, I wish I knew the answer to that. (laughs) You're like, someone call in and tell me. (laughs) You know, I'm like, can we phone a friend? Can we open a hotline? (laughs) Gosh, I think... I think a lot of the time a side hustle emerges from a personal passion that's not getting any attention or airtime in the job that you're doing. So rather than procrastination because you're not so excited about it, I had the opposite problem. I was doing too much of everything all at once and burning out. So I I probably am not the best person to answer that question, but now, of course, there are days where I procrastinate, you know, the hell out of what I'm doing. And I think... There's two parts to that. The first is sometimes that is coming from a place of burnout or of not having had enough distance or space from what you're doing. Like sometimes you hammer at a problem for so long that you actually become useless at at solving it because you've got no perspective, you haven't just stepped back and taken a break or because you're burning yourself out. If that's why you're procrastinating, sometimes the temptation is to just keep sitting at your computer and pushing through because you feel bad for taking a minute's break. I think lockdown in particular has shown us all our productivity is looking really different and our methods to push through that have to be different. It's okay, particularly when you're you're your own boss and the concept of urgency, if you're not a paramedic or a heart surgeon and you're, you know, most of the things we do aren't actually urgent. It's okay to procrastinate, to get up, go for a walk, take a little bit of time to break that circuit and come back to the problem because you'll always be fresher. Sitting and just hammering away when you know you're not getting anything done just makes you feel crap. On those days where you don't have a choice and you have a deadline and you actually have to push through it, 
there are a couple of things that really help me turning off all my notifications on my app. You know, everything on my phone is really helpful because that tends to be the main outlet that you go to for procrastination. And then the other thing is making your work environment. And again, this is so hard because we're all working from home under really hard circumstances. But the beautiful thing about being a business is I've been working from home for years now. So I've had a lot of practice at this. And Productivity comes in waves. It can be really hard to predict when those are. But if you've got a really clear delineation between your procrastination areas, like your, your bedroom or your TV area or whatever, and you have a clear working space, it can become easier to kind of flip the switch back into productivity. Like if you're working from bed, the lines are blurry. If you're working from the couch with the TV on, again, the lines are really blurry. And some days you've got enough focus to do that. Some days you don't and you need all the extra help that you can get. So set up a desk, you know, have a, a glass of water and a cup of tea, turn your phone off and just knuckle down and even do it in spurts. You can put a timer on and do 15 minutes and then a five minute break, 15 minutes and then a five minute snack break, you know, whatever it takes to kind of get that going again. A quote that I really love, and you guys probably already know I love quotes. It's like you won't always be motivated. So you have to always be disciplined. And the people who work the hardest and get the best results don't feel motivated all the time. They just learn how to still get the job done even when they're not feeling motivated. In lockdown, every like two or three weeks, I just rearrange my room or my apartment like I'm 12 years old again. And my my roommate comes, I'm like, look at my room. I'm like, look, I changed everything. And it's honestly like I've got a new, like a completely new apartment. I'm like, aha, I feel refreshed. <laughs> so like, <laughs> that's been my technique to try and motivate myself. I like move my desk from like different spots in the apartment. I'm like, wow, new office. <laughs> <laughs> new house, new me. So you spoke a little bit about tips to avoid burnout earlier, but how do you stay motivated and avoid burnout when you're juggling a full-time job and a passion project? Because it's kind of like it makes it a little bit harder if you're switching off, say, at five and then from six onwards you're working on your passion project. Inevitably, when you're in that startup phase and you are really getting things off the ground, there is sometimes even a year or so, sometimes even more, where balance is just not part of the equation. And it's not the ideal advice to give someone. But if you do look at, you know, all the big businesses that have come through that startup phase and into huge periods of growth where now the founders can afford to implement whatever balance looks like for them, most of them did go through a pretty grueling and burning the midnight oil phase that then they had to kind of recover from, have some big crash and then reevaluate things. So balance definitely looks very different when you are juggling both. You probably do push things a little bit further than you will have to. It won't be forever, but getting a business off the ground and then making it viable. And then once you do move into it full time, growing it so that it can sustain your whole livelihood, it does require a lot of sacrifices of sleep, of leisure activities. You do end up using your weekends to work because that's the only time really that you have. And the only time that you have energy because after work, a full day of work, you know, you often don't feel like you can do much at all. So you get really efficient at time management, but I do think you also sacrifice a lot in the, those early days. And it's okay. I just used to remind myself this won't be forever uh, and I will earn and grow into a structure where the business can survive without me working this intensely. 
And I was very tired for a very long time, (laughs) but that's all part of it. And I think you also get really efficient. It's like a new mum, you know, new mums, they just do what they have to do. They're probably exhausted to the bones. They probably don't think that they can survive another minute, but then you just have to, because the demands of growing a small new thing into the world, you know, business is, is similar. You just pull reserves from where you can get them. You get efficient at resting. You use your rest time. I took lots of micro naps. Like sometimes we were working on all different time zones, which was really hard at the beginning because our tea farm was in Japan and then our um, other big suppliers were in the US and that was really difficult. But you just get used to napping and figuring things out. You know, you work it out until you don't have to anymore. Do you think it's helpful to set yourself like a routine and at a certain time every week to work on it? For example, like every Saturday from 9 to 12, I'm going to work on this and at 12 o'clock I'm going to stop and that way you're never kind of getting to a point that you're just working because I feel like what I do sometimes is I get really motivated to like work on a little side hustle for a little bit and then I work on it for like a whole Saturday and a whole Sunday I'm like wow I'm amazing incredible and then because I maybe get a bit too excited I then lose like the honeymoon period with that idea I think that's a great point. You can really kill the joy of it if you overdo with anything, if you overdo anything, or if you're eating into your sleep so much that you don't have any capacity left to feel good emotions, you know, that defeats the whole purpose of doing anything. So absolutely, there has to be a limit. And if the reality is you do have to go back to a full-time job and, a, and mostly a very demanding one, then you can't use your entire weekend up and expect that you're going to have a good life doing that. So there definitely has to be some Um, barriers around it and I think that's a great idea making like a set window that you could plan around so that then you know when you can fit in your social activities or what times you'll have just quiet time at home for just life admin and chilling out I have like experimented with a lot of different ways of managing my time and because I my motivation comes in really weird bursts and really unpredictable bursts and same with creativity if I did a 9 to 12 on a Saturday but then I got to you know, Saturday at nine and I wasn't feeling it, then I'd just go, oh, I'll I'll wait until I feel, you know, a burst of energy. And then I'd do it whenever it came. That works really well for me because if I'm not feeling creative, nothing will actually happen in those four hours. And if I'd sat down to force myself to do that, then it probably would have been a waste of that morning. But it's what works for you. It really is. You, You have to experiment and see what working structure works for you. Just the same as any kind of working setup. You know, we all have different desk heights and chair heights and like backgrounds on our computer screen. You know, we all have different alarms. Like it's the same. No one really does it the same way as each other. And that's okay to just figure it out. So for anybody who is, you know, maybe teetering on the edge and thinking about kicking off their own business, what would be the first three steps that you think that somebody needs to take to get things happening? and get them on a good path? Well, I think the first one, and this sounds so silly, is just start. Do something that makes it official. That means you can't back out of it. Oh, you can always back out of it, of course, but that commits you to just beginning, whether that's register the business name, whether that's get an ABN, whether that's just tell a third party. Sometimes it just sits in your head as an idea. Do something that makes an official line in the sand of like, I have begun. So you can start whatever the next, you know, steps in the first 10 steps that you need to do are. Because I think genuinely and generally the first step is the hardest because that's the one where you've racked with self-doubt. You, you might look stupid if it fails. Is it going to work? Do I have a good idea? And you're really never going to know that until you just begin. And you don't have to start overnight with the business that you're going to launch. You know, you have to have 
a million small steps before that. So you spend all this time worrying about like launch day before you've even got a name. And it's sort of like, why use that energy? You know, you haven't even done the first few steps yet. So break it down into really achievable small things that you can do because you can register an ABN while you've got a full-time job and no one at your job right now will know that. It takes like two minutes online. You can figure out a business name on your lunch break and then go and register that. Like all those things are really achievable, but you can't do anything else until you've done those. So I feel like that's the first thing is just start on something and then figure out, like make a to-do list. That could be the next thing you do is just the to-do list for whatever should come next. And don't jump to the, like, I remember spending probably a whole week of full time. So that was like an infinite amount of time and hours of labor invested in looking up how we could get match into the States because I thought, hey, I was so stressed about international shipping and like getting an EIN number and all this stuff. And we hadn't even launched in Australia. Like we didn't start shipping. We didn't have a US customer until like eight months after that. But I wasted a whole week researching because I was just overwhelmed at like, you have to have it all together at the beginning. So I think whatever the first three things are, the first is rip the band-aid. And for me, it usually involves money. Like I don't measure a lot of things financially, but once I've committed financially, like if I've bought the stock or if I've bought the microphone, then well, I have to start the podcast because I've got the microphone, you know, trick yourself into thinking the decision's been made. Then the next thing is make a to-do list. And then the third thing is just do it. Another thing that's really important that you can often forget is that even if you're starting out on your own, you don't actually need Like people can really start a business and run it for a long time with a very skeleton staff, including running it themselves. You can do a lot by yourself, but it takes a village, maybe not logistically, but emotionally to get through the bits where you think, oh my God, it's all failing or, oh my God, I can't do this or, oh my God, you know, like very few people are immune from the self-doubt that can actually close down the business before you even get started. So if you're not hiring staff and you don't need a team to begin, hire or choose, you know, your hype girl or your hype guy or your person who you're going to turn to, who knows everything that you're doing, who you've told, even if you keep it secret from everyone else, one or two people who are going to be there for you on the journey for those moments where you just, it's going to topple you or you, or you, you just need someone to bounce ideas off. You need someone to kind of enliven your own thoughts and processes and ideas. And no one, no one in business who has done well has gotten there alone having the right support network and getting, not getting rid of, but carefully limiting or monitoring your access and interactions with people who are detracting from that dream as well, because there are also a lot of doubters and a lot of people who can bring negativity towards these kinds of projects because jealousy or skepticism or just worry for you that, you know, you're investing money into something, you probably don't need that energy around you. So the third thing would be like curating your environment and your networks. I love that. Sarah, get ready for like a 3 a.m. DM from me with all my business ideas. I get them all the time and I love it. It makes me so happy because that's a sign that that person decided I'm going to do it. They didn't go, oh, that's never going to work. And they and they didn't never voice it to a third party. That's a big step. It could be a stranger. Who cares? Like that's why all these business networking groups do so well because when people can't find what they need or the support they need in their own friendships, not because of anything bad, just because it's foreign to a lot of people to run businesses if they've only ever been a corporate, you know, they go and find it in and make new friends. And who cares if you feel weird networking to strangers? Like you walk away with so much more than you could possibly lose. That's such a great tip in itself of being like, if you're not necessarily surrounded by people that are in that mindset or don't necessarily know about that industry, go on LinkedIn or Instagram or whatever and find someone who is and reach out. 
the question that I've started asking people a lot lately and including myself is on the idea of like failure or rejection is if you knew you could fail or be rejected without anyone ever finding out, it's like, do you even care about the failure or rejection? And most of the time you're like, no, I still know I'm a good person. I still know someone else will say yes, or I still know there's other options. If you thought that everyone would know and it'd be on the like cover of the Daily Mail or whatever, suddenly it's like you're scared, but you're not scared of the failure because if no one knows about it, you don't care. You're scared of the perception of failure. And once you realize that, it doesn't really make you less scared, but it just makes you realize how silly that thought process is because everyone has so much going on in their own lives. Even if they do notice that you failed, it's about a one second register on their brain, then they've moved on to the next thing. Whatever you're scared of, what's the worst that can happen? It's usually someone says, no, big deal, you get over it. Yeah, people always care less than what you think. So before we wrap up the episode, we want to play a little quick game of Pick Your Poison, which is essentially like our own version of this or that. So we'll give you a topic and you tell us which one you prefer. Okay, amazing. So TikTok or Instagram? Instagram. Masha or coffee? Oh, (laughs) coffee. Coffee lately. Ooh. I'm a new woman. (laughs) (laughs) Who are you? (laughs) I know. She's changed. It's lockdown, babe. Lockdown six. (laughs) Things will happen to a girl. (laughs) We're there with you. Don't worry. (laughs) Literally. Okay. Original Gossip Girl or the Gossip Girl reboot? Oh, original. Yeah. Chuck Bass. Chuck Bass. Okay. Loungewear or activewear? Activewear. Okay. Late nights or early mornings? Late nights. Legally Blonde or Clueless? Oh, guys. We're throwing the tricky questions. Because I was a lawyer, I have to say Legally Blonde. Yes. I recently (laughs) watched that and I was like, this show is so good, this movie. So good. Elwood's forever. Yeah, Elwood's forever, forever. Yeah, I mean, but Clueless also like iconic. I don't know. It's hard. It's really hard. So running or yoga? Oh, I'm pretty phasey with exercise at the moment and probably, probably for most of lockdown running. Doja Cat or Lizzo? Lizzo. We love a bit of Lizzo. It's a serotonin here. Lizzo. Yes. She is our queen. She's our hype girl. Yeah. yeah. Literally, Lizzo is everyone's hype girl. <laughs> I'm like, Lizzo, I've got a business idea, babe. That can be the third point in your like three-point plan for new business starters. Listen to call Lizzo. Lizzo. Yeah. <laughs> Hit her up in the DMs. Don't listen to her. Just call her. I love that. Well, thank you so much for joining us on Two Broke Chicks, Sarah. We had the best time and we've learned so much. I'm sure all of our listeners have too. Everyone, make sure to pick up a copy of Seize the A. It's hilarious and inspiring gold in under 400 pages. I think that's the best part is just reading all of your anecdotes throughout (laughs) and just like so many funny little stories and stuff that I'm like, shit, I've been there. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I love that you guys have even read it. It literally came out in stage four last year. I didn't see it in a bookstore till like six months later. I still feel like my mum just printed it at Officeworks and gave it to people. So whenever people I haven't met have read it, I'm like, really? how how did you get a copy like it's it's so exciting I'm it's still like I don't know it's been a year and a bit now and like the novelty still hasn't worn off so thank you so much for reading of course that's so exciting and of course everybody needs to go listen to the podcast also called seize the a where you interview so many inspiring entrepreneurs founders and just so many amazing people that I think have really interesting stories that so many people can relate to even though they're like 
big wigs in the business world, <laughs> I'm like, oh, you feel that way too? What? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, thank you so much, guys. This was lovely. Thank you. The pleasure was all ours. And of course, make sure go follow Sarah at spoonful underscore of underscore Sarah on Instagram to stay on top of what she's up to next and her impeccable taste in memes. They are top tier. Top tier, gals. I'm not even going to pretend it doesn't take me a really long time to narrow down which one comes next. Like it's a full process. I'm like, is it worth the grid? It's really no. hard. I'd put more time into my memes than I do any other post. <laughs> well, it's important. It's, it is important. Yeah. <laughs> it's life or death. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much, Sarah. Thanks, guys. Look out for my 3 a.m. DM. <laughs> I'm here for it. Well, that is a wrap for another episode of Two Broke Chicks. Thanks again to Sarah for joining us on the show and to you for having us in your ear holes once again. We covered a lot of ground in today's episode, so make sure to head to finder.com.au slash twobrokechicks for today's show notes. Uh, And we'll also have a link to all of Sarah's socials and website and everything if you want to get in touch with her or check out her book and podcast from there. If you know someone who would love this episode and needs a little cup of DM in their life, feel free to share this app. And of course, follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and show us some love wherever you listen to your fave shows. As always, thanks to our beautiful producer, Paria Tahazade, and our friends at Bambi Media for editing this episode. And if you have any questions or topics or guests that you want us to have on the show, hit us up on Instagram at two broke cheeks. Till next time. Bye-bye. Bye.